everyone. I just want to give a little heads up that today's episode was recorded out of order. Uh, we decided to post the Andy Zaramba episode earlier uh, so that the campaign would still be going on while we aired it. So um, just know that a couple times we might reference the date or uh, the episode number, and um, it's uh, a little mixed up. Enjoy the show. You're listening to the Art of Floating podcast. episode of the Art of Floating podcast. I'm very excited to be here. It has been a crazy long week for me. I'm excited to tell you a little bit about it. But first, I want to welcome Lance to the show. Hello, everybody. I want to welcome Amy to the show. Hey, y'all. Oh, and I should say that's Lance from the Float Shack and Amy from Float Nashville. Oh, wait, Nashville Float. Float Nashville. Float Nashville. <laughs> float Nashville. <laughs> <That's> good. <laughs> Anyways, good. I got too self-conscious about it. That's great. I think I said it wrong in the last episode. Um, we've got a good episode for you guys today. We're going to talk about some interesting things, a um, little bit of media stuff. There's a New York Times article that was out recently. We want to talk about that. And, um, you know, I, it's great that floating is being mentioned in the New York Times, but there were a few negative things mentioned in it that uh, give us concern and maybe hold us back from wanting to post it in our social media feeds. So we want to talk about that. Um, and which will lead us to wanting to talk about odor in our float tanks and what color your water is. We're also going to talk about uh, a question that was recently asked on theartoffloating.com, which was um, hydrogen peroxide, food grade versus medical grade. Uh, what's, what's the difference and which one should we be using? There's also a campaign going on right now, the, the hashtag why we float campaign. We're going to talk about that, what it is, and if you should be a part of it. Uh, what we think about it. And also, um, Lance just the other day was telling me about a couple groups that I wasn't a part of on Facebook. And so we're just going to go over the different groups that we're aware of and um, let you guys know about it. And hopefully you guys can also let us know about any we we don't know about. So um, that, those are the things we want to cover today. But first, I want to thank our sponsor for sponsoring us. We're sponsored by Float Away. They're Motto is the simple act of floating in warm, salty water is the most relaxing experience on Earth. Uh, it's true for each of the eight different models and in all 40 or so countries where happy customers float and float away float tanks. Floataways are proud of the specially equipped round pools in Tulsa, Oklahoma, where research will, be really, will really be putting floating on the mainstream map. You can check them out at floataway.com and find out how the company has pioneered new techniques, new shapes, and new ideas in floating. The founders, Colin and Ginny Stanwell Smith, are world experts on every aspect of flotation technology. Floataway is a family business within the floating family. Again, you can check them out at www.floataway.com. And I do have to say, we do have a floataway float tank in uh, our float center here at the float shop, and we do love it. It is great for first-time floaters, and it's great for veteran floaters alike, just because it has the lights inside, the automatic buttons to open and close it. It's a very friendly, dare I say, sexy-looking float tank. So we, <laughs> we are fans of it as our, as our patrons. Um, cool beans. Shall we get started? Absolutely. <laughs> the New York Times article. Um, you can just search uh, New York Times float tank. It'll probably be the first thing that comes up. Um, so it's a little controversial. I think the reason we're talking about it at the top of the show is probably, I would probably guess these two lines, and I'll just read both of these lines. Uh, the first one says, the capsule, and this is literally the opening line of, of uh, the article. The capsule was small and dark, and the water smelled a bit, but like a used smelled a bit like a used gym sock but caleb Proust, 28 climbed in anyway lying supine in a bath of saline 
So not awesome. Oh. Referencing your, your smell of a gym sock. And then um, later it says, it really, it really just felt like I was lying in a sewer. So um, not awesome. Yeah, but yet I would also argue that this was a positive, <laughs> a positive article on floating. So, um, and, and it actually, I would say, I wouldn't say it's super in-depth, but it's not a very brief article. I would say it's, it's moderately lengthy. It covers a decent mm-hmm. amount about how floating's increasing in popularity, maybe a little bit about the benefits. W- what did you guys think, Lance? Uh, I thought it was, um, it, it could have been better, that's for sure. Mm-hmm. There's, mm-hmm. Um, you know, we, we've sort of touched on this before, but you can have uh, 500 good floats, but you have one bad float, and that negative will resonate a lot more than the positive. So starting out with something like uh, used gym sock, that doesn't sound like the relaxing experience that floating is. So I think it, it can turn people away right from the opening statement. Um, I didn't really like that. Um, it does educate the mass on what floating is, but I don't think it's how we want to be known. <laughs> I'd agree with you there. Amy, do you have anything you want to add yeah. about? Well, uh, with with uh, Lance, going along with Lance, it, it was not the best article I've ever read on mm. floating, and I'm, I was a little disappointed New York Times mm-hmm. uh, would do this. Um, but that said, negative things uh, you know, aren't necessarily always bad for us it gives us an opportunity to talk about how we deal with those issues uh, so that it's not an issue at our float center if you noticed a lot of the comments were just drawn off yelp i don't even think they interviewed anyone they just drew them off yelp um, yeah and you're, you're not talking about like the comment section of the article but like within right, the article with the negative things they have to say were yeah yelp so yeah. they didn't really yeah they didn't really talk to people so um so that was uh, disappointing, but also, it, like I said, it gives us a good opportunity to say, hey, have you checked out our Yelp reviews? We don't seem to have that issue. We're not seeing that come up in our comments. Right. So you hate negative, but there's ways to turn it around, and I think use it in a positive way. Do you think, I mean, like yoga is, is a trend that uh, they, they mention of kind of coming big, going away, and then coming back real strong. If the New York Times piece did something on yoga for the first time, would it all be positive? Or do they have to kind of throw something negative in there? Something maybe a little controversial, or at least to get eyeballs onto the page. Do you think they need to do something like that? I don't don't think they need to, that's for sure. Um, There's there's a lot better ways to approach it than than being negative like that. Mm -hmm. Um, Talking about, you know, at the bottom, how they say people with PTSD or MS use it. That's a great way to start it. There's a lot of people suffering from PTSD that can really benefit from floating. So um, starting on a positive note may be a lot more effective than negative. But that is why I don't work in the media, possibly. (laughs) Right. Right. (laughs) So true. But, Amy, you're you're saying we can put a positive Mm -hmm. spin on it. Yeah. Did you? Have you posted it? I have not, okay. um, and and the funny thing is, is I have debated putting it in our in our uh, social media, uh-huh. um, not necessarily because it is so bad. I just think it's kind of poorly written. Hmm. Quite frankly, I, I'm not sure it actually adds a whole lot that people could could learn from. Like I said, I have things to say about it as far as you know, we can we can use it as a learning experience, but I'm not so sure that it it adds so much. Right. Do y'all? I mean, would, is well, this something? Have you has that, have you either of you shared this? I haven't yet. No, but I haven't either. I think I'm going to. Obviously, I got to run that by by Sandra. But um, I think 
having the the words New York Times that that's just a statement of look this thing that we're all into here it's getting recognition and so like our little our little niche community um, it's getting a little bit bigger it's getting some I don't, I don't know if legs or notoriety mm-hmm. like just some growth yeah. some recognition recognition I think would be uh, something cool that that we get to share with this piece. And that's a good point. Uh, we have been seen quite a bit in higher, uh, well-known media outlets lately. And mm-hmm. on my website, I do keep an ar- archive of those, and this will go in the archive. So you're mm-hmm. right. That is a, a good notch in the belt there for us. We did all right. So would we recommend it to our listeners <laughs> to post it? Ah. <laughs> uh. <laughs> Well, I think it depends on, uh, I think everybody should kind of have rules for their own social media Mm -hmm. uh, because social media is a great way to brand and everybody I think probably has very different rules. I don't think there's a good or a bad necessarily, Uh, but I I think it depends on how comfortable you are posting more negative uh, things in your, in your stream. Lance, how about you? Uh, Yeah, I think it's, it's how you want to brand yourself. I, I'm not just because it's Dr. Oz or just because it's New York Times doesn't mean I have to share it. I mm-hmm. have someone that, that something that's quality that has yeah. more impact to it than just quantity per se. Um, I, I believe people can get a lot more out of, of some local articles I've seen than something big like this. Um, but if I wouldn't be against anyone that did share it, it's totally up to you. So a ringing endorsement from the Shared Floating <laughs> Podcast. Nice. <laughs> Sweet. Um, yeah, that's interesting. It, it's such a mixed article. And, and Amy, I would have to agree with you that it was, um, it felt like an amateur article. You know, it, it wasn't yeah. incredibly well-researched. It felt like light research. Um, I, I was pleased that they seemed to, they did go to multiple sources, but it, overall, it felt pretty light. So even their like their photography is oh. you know, they have a picture of a, a card on the bottom and a water stained ceiling. Yeah, <laughs> and and a that light says, with bugs. That's in it. that's yeah. clearly has the exit sign in it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, what's up with that? I usually like people oh. to stay at my center, not just to leave. There are so many float manufacturers who would pay for them like let alone give them free photos but but the the ease at (laughs) which they could have found so many better photos that was pretty phenomenal um yeah that actually makes me less less (laughs) inclined to share it but um that idea of lying in a sewer that the water smelled like Mm. a uh, used gym sock um it uh it leads us to a good question and actually lance you you brought this up to me personally um, do you want to share your, your story here about water, watercolor? Um, I just know that there are different centers out there that maybe watercolor isn't on the top of their list. Uh-huh. Maybe um, that's not something they pay attention to. Sure. Um, but I believe across the industry, I've, I've spoke much about this with my business partner, but across the industry, we should be maintaining a consistent clarity of water. And... Um, just talking about sewers and stuff like that. That's I don't ever want my float tank to be compared to a sewer or a sock or a barn or anything like that. That's that's <laughs> not what we're going for. We spend way too much work educating people on what right. we have, how we sanitize it, how we're completely different than a pool or any other conventional spa you'd go to. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's important to have clear, oil-free water. And um, how do we 
go about making consistency of this throughout the industry, or is it yeah. important? Well, Do Lance, you, I, does, does everyone think it's important? I, I want to go back to the color thing, and we can keep going on that. But first of all, if this article has two quotes of people saying it's like a gym sock or it was like it was in a sewer, that means we have a problem. That mm -hmm. is an issue in and itself, that there is mm -hmm. that even one person, like the fact that, you know, this, this, inter, this uh, writer, whether they did a lot of research or whether they did a little research, they bumped into this with what looks like a little research, you know, and, and it made it to the article. That means that we have a problem within the industry. I don't know if that means it's 10% of float tanks. I, I don't know if it's a larger number or smaller, but I would definitely agree that we all need to be consistent with the clarity of our water, that mm. we have now a problem. There are things that make a difference. I know um, different colors of liner, a white liner compared to a black liner compared to a blue liner is going to give you different colors of water. But when you can clearly see yeah. that there is a tinge to the water, I don't think that is white. There's different ways you can, you can use clarifiers. You can, um, we use sponges. That's a good way to get oils out, a sponge that floats on top. And that really helps with clarity as well, as well as making sure you're, you're changing your filters on time, you're doing all your proper checks on pH and whatever disinfectant you're using and making sure you're on top of everything. But, mm -hmm. um, and I don't, I've, I've also heard of people adding um, different things to their water to give it um, more minerals or mm -hmm. get more absorption through the skin. Um, if, if you're wanting to add dead sea salts or that's any other like something salt, salt to your skin mm -hmm. i guess i can't say you can't do that because it's your float center but if you want to sacrifice the color of your water for quote-unquote mineral absorption through the skin um I, I don't know where to go with that um, and, and let me ask has that been proven I that was there's just gonna say that's that's a tough one because there's so little research on the absorption of magnesium uh, through the skin mm -hmm. Um, so I'd, <laughs> that, that'd be a stretch for me. I think the research is currently underway or about to start in November. I know Shoshana, mm -hmm. um, part of the FTA, she worked very hard at raising money for the magnesium studies. Mm -hmm. Um, so currently we don't know what is being absorbed through the skin. Um, can we say it's being absorbed through the skin? I would say Yes. Um, I know my muscles are relaxed yeah. when I get out of the float tank, mm -hmm. and that's I'm, I'm assuming that's happening topically through the skin. I can't say how much. I can't say it's going to bring your levels back up. I can't say you're going to go from sick to healthy. Um, but you are in 1,000 pounds, 800 pounds of yeah. Epsom salt. We, so. we had a floater today. We're, we were closed today, but we, we had somebody uh, just kind of randomly floating today. and. She came out and she was like, you know, what is it that I just go into my joints are creaking and they, they hurt. And when I come out, I can just move my arm all the way around. It feels so good. What is that? And I was like, uh, I want to say it's the magnesium and the Epsom salt, but I don't know. I, I don't know what that is, but it's so consistent, though. It's so darn yeah. consistent. Well, I've used magnesium sprays. Um, there's a company called Ancient Minerals where they sell um, topical magnesium lotions or oils or sprays. And they're meant for direct um, areas. So if your knee's sore, um, tense muscles there, you can spray this right onto your knee and rub it in. And you can actually feel it. You can feel it heat up, starts to relax the muscles, cools down later. But you know it is being absorbed topically. But it's, it's well. hard 
I, I gotta I gotta say, Lance, if if we're all anecdotally saying it sounds like we're absorbing, then mm-hmm. doesn't it then make a little bit of sense that we should, if they're adding Dead Sea salts in, that that it could have an added effect? Yes, <laughs> I, I can say yeah. I'm not sure what that effect is, but obviously mm-hmm. we're not the three experts on that who, who are right. doing it to, to sell that idea. And and one thing I have, I have to say, because I'm a lymphatic drainage practitioner, one thing that nobody ever brings up is the uh, what happens to the lymphatic system when someone's lying in a bed of water. Uh, and I think there's a lot, unfortunately, there's no studies on it in the float tank that I'm aware of, uh-huh. but I think there's a lot that can be done due to, uh, due to the lymphatic, the uh, stimulation lymphatic system. Perfect. Um, Oh my gosh! I know that's so no, much research. No, the top topic. I know, right? Yeah. Well, actually, that makes me want to pull back um, to the topic of of odor, color, and and what to do about it. So, I mean, if somebody's adding, would it be great if we could all be on the same page that our water should be crystal clear? Yes. Well, let's 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 use a speak pipe for this. So, okay. on the Art of Floating website, um, you can go to a speak pipe and you can voice your opinion. Do you think water should be clear or do you think it should be salty? Do you think it should be aerated? Do you think it should be purple? What right. do you think um, industry-wide um, we should be educating our customers with? Um, let us know. Particularly, I would love to know people who are adding the Dead Sea salts. I would love to know A, why, and B, what your customers think. I'd love to know if, if you feel like you have more customer customers coming in who are interested in that or have more retention because of it. I just, yeah, that'd be great. Please use the speak pipe if you go to theartoffloating.com. It's the gold bar on your left, um, and you can go ahead and record a voicemail. Um, but, uh, but, yeah, I think if it is, if it is, if people are getting poor quality water color due to poor maintenance, that may possibly lead to odor. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, I know if uh, we have a, we use Oasis tanks. I know if you leave that door open for a while and you open it up, it's very humid. You get a must mm-hmm. of air. Um, if that's smelling like humid, dirty gym socks right. that's been floating in a sewer, that's not good. Mm-hmm. That's not how it should be. Um, we have had instances where something didn't particular smell right, but we dealt with it. Yeah. We went through, we scrubbed everything, we we added water, we added salt, we brought everything to where we wanted to, and you know that, that smell goes away. Is that coming from lotions, from body oils? Are people not showering properly before? Right. How are some people getting odors that smell like gym socks mm-hmm. in a float tank? And that was something that we experienced during our opening year of the float shop was a, a locker room smell. And it was hard to identify, is it the water? Is it in the walls? Was it just a, a smelly person in the room and it's just hanging out? Um, but it would, it would persist through multiple floats or overnight. Um, that was something that we were, were battling. Um, so I would love to cover my tips and your tips on what uh, preventing it and how to make it go if it does happen. Um, I think the number one thing that is really underutilized, you already mentioned, which is changing those filters. Um, the filters yes. should be changed. And, and I don't know the, <laughs> I don't even know if there is an official correct answer to this, but um, let's see here. I think we do it's six floats, maybe it's seven floats a day um, at max capacity. And we change our filters once a week if we're moderately full and we change it twice a week if we're at completely at capacity. Um, and that may, has made a huge difference in that body mm-hmm. odor smell. 
there is one other thing I want to mention, but I'm, I just want to know if you guys back me up on that um, or how often you change your filters or if you have any suggestions on that. Uh, I'm with you. We are, we change ours at least two times a week and three times a week when we get super busy. And like you, we have the capacity of seven floats a day total. Uh, total. Mm-hmm. And yeah, it's always two times a week when we cool. do our deep clean and mm-hmm. an additional if needed. And it does. Mm-hmm. Huge difference. Cannot believe the difference. And making sure your filter is uh, clean enough. And and that was, <laughs> was going to be my follow-up, which was how do you yeah. clean your filters? Because most, uh, with our Tranquility filters, we were... Um, throwing them away after each one but then we eventually just just because it came with a whole bunch but we eventually came to reusable filters on all our tanks Uh, what do you use to clean and maintain your filters well for us uh we have massive massive filters Um, we have our uh, embarrassingly large filters that cost us 67 dollars a piece uh but we actually clean ours with hydrogen peroxide. We spray hydrogen peroxide and scrub. And that is uh, from the pool company. We, we talked to them uh, originally. Uh, they gave us some acid to use. But uh, the hydrogen peroxide works so much better. Interesting. Lance, how about you? I don't. Yeah, well, we do our filters. Um, we do them weekly. Um, we've actually been experimenting with biweekly in addition to adding a net. Um, so before... So we started using the sponge about a month ago, and every night we put the sponge on top of the surface. Can you what tell the us sponge, what the sponge is? Yeah. Yes. Looks like you're already what, going to. <laughs> what the sponge does is it floats upon the surface and it absorbs any oils that may collect. Um, so anyone that, that doesn't get a good scrub, maybe comes in some lotion, some conditioner, something like that, this should collect any of the oils. And that immediately helped the clarity of our water. Um, sometimes there'd be a little oil film. You could see if the water sits for a while and you hit it, you could see a tiny oil film. This has almost removed that entirely. And um, recently we started adding, um, we have a hair basket uh, before our pump. And inside that hair basket, we start adding a net. Um, inside this fine mesh net, this would collect any hairs, any debris, and everything like that. It was actually collecting oils. So by changing this net, we were allowed to collect all the oils before it even get to our pump or our filter. And we've actually had great success with this. Um, it's only been, We've only been trying it out for about a month and a half, um, but our filters are coming out weekly. They're coming out um, hairless, oilless. Um, they're coming out looking good. So we're continuing trying with these two weeks, and we're running. We can run seven floats a day. We're averaging right now about five. Um, And when we clean our filters, we use the filter comb. I don't know if either of you guys use those. Do you use the filter comb, Mm -hmm. Dylan? Um, We don't. I know what you're talking about, but we don't use one. Yeah, it's this wonderful tool. You hook up to a hose, and it has Mm -hmm. about, depends on your filter, there's about 10 teeth that are spread out about a centimeter apart. And uh, when you turn on your hose, it has tiny holes, it leaves a high pressure. So first we pull out all the hairs and anything that is collected in there, and then we use the comb and high pressure, blow everything to the bottom. And then it would sit in a bucket with um, a filter cleaner or a type of acid. Then after that, we'd um, flip it over and do the exact same thing with the comb the opposite way, back into the cleaner, and then in a bucket with hydrogen peroxide and water where it would sit for 24 hours. And then um, in front of a fan to dry. Um, we've reused all of our filters. Um, we've had to use a hot glue gun and repair some of them. Um, and after about, I think we're averaging about eight changes, nine changes, and then the filters are garbage. So, um, 
That sounds more heavy duty than mm-hmm. than what we're doing. I, I want to take note of, of what you're doing. Um, but before I talk about mine, would you give the brand name of the the oil thingy uh, that you're putting in, um, or at least we'll, we'll put it. Yeah, the sponge, or we'll at least put it in the show notes um, because you had told me that, and I went online and I. Be just because I'm an Amazon member, I went for a different brand, which I think was just called the Bug. Uh, it's like a spa bug. We started using that in our float tanks. And um, what we did is we actually put that bug in that hairnet catch in front of the filter that you're talking about. And within a few days, uh, they were saturated with oil and brown and gross. Um, so we, we ordered new ones. They're not in just yet. But that just spoke for itself. Like that was makes a big difference for the surface of your water and i i would definitely encourage anybody to use them yeah i don't remember the brand off the top of my head but we we can post in the show notes for sure okay um but this we first got we met a a gentleman at the conference uh, a few years back that's been running a center for i believe over 20 years um out of montreal i believe and he says he has never changed his water and that really intrigued us to how you can run that long without changing your water. And um, Ovarium, is that the name of his? Yes, Ovarium. Mm-hmm. Yep. And um, speaking with uh, Jason McDonald, the health inspector as well, what he's saying is, is float tanks is every week if we're adding uh, an inch of water and 50 pounds of salt, he says our water is getting changed out. It's just not all at once. But you can't expect the float tank to sanitize itself just because you add in a little bit of peroxide here and there. You have to be really... Mm-hmm. We track everything, and we're really strict with how we bond our tanks. We get in, we scrub them, every crook, cranny, any place that water can sit stagnant, that's a, that's a point where places can grow or where things can grow. So it's, it's how, how much effort do you want to put in? I know lots of people that will get the, an odor in their water, and they change it. They don't even try to wow. fix it. They, it's yeah. just gone. Um, I, I don't believe that's the right way to do it. I believe we do have – it's not water. It's not just water. There's there's a lot of salt in there. There's a lot going on. I believe we can fix this and we can maintain it with proper use and proper maintenance. I don't know if you guys agree with me or if you think there should be a set amount of time you're changing your water. Or... Well, the, the, the rule well, of thumb. Sorry, you go ahead, Amy. No, I'm so sorry. Actually, we're required to change oh. <laughs> every six months as part of our regulations. Of course you are. <laughs> of course. Of course you are. Um, the rule of thumb when we first started was it was something like six to nine months. Every, every I, th- I want to say it was even like six months you should be changing out your water. And honestly, that sounded like, well, great. We can tell our customers mm-hmm. our water's changed every six months, um, but we don't change our water anymore. I, I don't remember the last time we had to dump something out because there's just no need to anymore. And, and just like you were saying, if the water's maintained properly, you, it, just like you said, you are adding water throughout its lifespan, and you're also adding salt as well um, throughout its I- lifespan. I must add into this. We actually do, uh, I'm sorry, I should have said this beginning. We do weekly water samples with Alberta Health Services. Mm-hmm. So that's our provincial health inspectors. We voluntarily chose to do um, water samples with them. So we're actually being able to track what's going on with our water, not only how it looks, but actually physical results that we get mailed to us. That's so, so cool. <laughs> and yeah, it's about $150 a sample that they're actually just paying for. So it's really cool that they're they're willing to work with us like that. And that's what we did. We, you know, it was one year, a thousand floats. We were going to change our water. And then the time came. Why? Right. Why? It's, it's crystal yeah. clear. It's we're maintaining our pH. We're maintaining our alkalinity. 
why? Why? Yeah. Yeah. And and I hope that does help change because honestly, it's painful to dump that water every six months right. when it is perfectly fine. Well, yeah, it's painful in the pocketbook. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And I'd love to get other people's feedback on this too cuz you know, something with CFC, that's something we're trying to do is is get things get information from the community so people like Amy, maybe you don't have to change your water on a set amount of time because right. we don't know right now and as a small business, you know, when it's costing you 800, 900, $1000 to change your salt, that's a lot of money that could go to a lot of filters, other, yeah, <laughs> yeah, filters. Exactly. But, but really a fraction of the cost of filters though. Yeah. Yeah. I, I said it tongue in cheek, but <laughs> so much money saved. Yeah. Yeah. Um, another thing, uh, as far as that, that gym smell goes is the walls of the tank can develop an odor. I think bacteria can absolutely form on that. Just, just like you said, you open that float tank lid and it's, it's humid. You, you might get a plume of that, that humidity. Um, we do, um, I, I want to say it's weekly. It might be bi-weekly, but I believe it's a weekly bleach wipe down of the inside of our float tanks. Do you guys do a similar yes, activity? Yes, we, we do deep cleans twice a week. Twice a week. Okay. At ours, uh, where we wipe every, we spray everything down, wipe it down, get nooks and crannies, mm-hmm. uh, which uh, mostly is probably a preventative measure. We're also spraying down our tanks with H2O2 at night after everyone's done. When you say spray uh, down... Yeah, actually just using like a little, almost like a pesticide sprayer just to get up in the nooks and crannies. And it's a preventative thing. Um, And of course, then it's safe because no one's getting in the tank, so we don't have to worry about it dripping. Uh, But yeah, we just do that as a a preventative measure. And uh, we're we're two time a week, people, unless we see salt crusting up or something that would uh, cause us concern. Or it smells like gym socks. (laughs) Then of course, we'd get in there right away. So that does still happen? Um, actually, we really haven't had issues. Uh, we bumped it up to two times a week and the spray down of the H2O2. And it honestly, we really don't have the issue. Uh, we haven't had the issue for quite a while. So, so far, it's been working for us. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, we do. Yeah. We do ours once a week as well. Mondays, we close and we do a full, deep, um, thorough maintenance. Mm-hmm. And that's scrubbing, getting every nooks and crannies. Um, we actually have a liner in the bottom of our tank where we take those um, rough pads that you'd use for cleaning dishes, say, and we actually scrub with that. We used to use just microfiber towels, but we you can actually feel with these things that they when they catch something, you can f- actually feel it doing its job and working. Um, but I've often thought about spraying with hydrogen peroxide at nighttime, like you said, Amy, but I was always worrying about you know, someone getting a drip the next day or something like that. Have you ever had any issues with that? Or do you? And what's the no. solution percentage? Um, actually, we do one and a half percent. And the thing you have to remember about H2O2 is it pretty much dissipates after about 20 minutes or so. That's why we do it at night, because you can, uh, during the daytime, it would terrify me. Because like you said, Lance, you know, <laughs> H2O2, even at a lower percentage, even at like 5%, can cause damage to eyes. I mean, we can lose sight we can have ventilation issues where you know it can burn in the chest Um, so yeah we only do it at night we use one and a half percent which is which is more than enough uh when it's just sitting on there to to do its job so and it's gone in about you know 30 minutes or so Hmm. i like that um we we use ours at three percent for cleaning um you said one and a half percent we use ours at three so yeah, and we do uh, hmm. during do between floats. We do use three percent. Okay, just at nighttime, yeah. you use the one and a half percent for 
Yeah. Just okay. because it doesn't matter, it still does the same job and mm-hmm. it saves us a little bit of money. Yeah. No. yeah. Makes a lot of sense. Can I ask a question that I I don't know the answer to, and maybe Sandra does, but I'd love to know your input, which is, do you use any spa cleaners to get oils out or to, um, sometimes water can go brown, do you use anything to clarify your water? And what, what brands do you use, if, if you happen to know? Oh, good question. We, we personally have not used any. I, uh, we have used Spa Perfect right. uh, in the beginning. Okay. That's funny. We used it at the beginning, too, and... We haven't had to use it for at least a year or two. Uh, we use Spa Perfect weekly. Um, okay. <laughs> oh, yeah, okay. and actually we sort of bumped it up to bi-weekly too. We found we get good results with that. Um, Spa Perfect, uh, it's a natural enzyme that will grab oils mm-hmm. and actually clot it together. Mm-hmm. So the oils are able to be caught by stuff like the net or the filter. Um, if there's no Spa Perfect, these oils are often too fine that they just pass through. So um, we are adding two ounces every time we add so right now we're experimenting with four ounces a week of spot perfect and um, we actually use a water clarifier as well through a brand called pure arctic i know they're based out of canada here or yeah i think that's pure arctic and um, we add 15 mils a week and that just helps clarify the water okay that that brings up another question i wanted to ask earlier which is do you know what kind of netting are you putting in in front yeah, of your filter, that, that hair it's net this, I just found it at a hot tub store. It's um, just a really fine net. Um, it's meant to put in a leaf basket sort of thing. Huh. Um, and we just put that in the hair net basket because they're about uh, probably about five sixteenths of an inch holes in the hair basket. And on the end of our suction line to our float tanks, we have a finer filter than that. So essentially that basket was doing no good. Right. So going from the suction side of the piping, that would sometimes collect hair and stuff on it. Um, but now it goes into the net, and the net will collect anything from oils to hair to everything. And it, and it swirls around there and catches up in a nice little ball, so it's very easy to huh. clean. And we just change the net rate out. Um, when we are pulling our filters, we used to be picking hairs out sure. for... You know, mm-hmm. for 20, 30 yeah. minutes, and now they're, you know, maybe two hairs, three hairs. Wow. But um, it's, it's cut down our cleaning time a lot. I am filters. taking notes. Yeah, well, I think mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> so our listeners don't have to. I'm going to um, see if we can find that brand um, online afterwards, and we'll put it in the show notes uh, as well, and maybe put it to the to the links part of our products page on the Art of Floating. That's, that sounds very good. <laughs> good stuff. Good stuff. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and may all- I ask? Sorry. Do either of you have skimmers on Uh, yours? No, we don't have a skimmer, but something we do after every single float is we use a manual skimmer. Mm -hmm. So we go through there with, um, it's it's a bit um, more open than our our nets we're using, but we go through and we collect all the hairs and everything that floats on top. And that Mm -hmm. skimmer, that manual skimmer, is our primary filter. So I like to say we have four filters in our (laughs) system, and that net is number one. Yeah. Um, we, all of us, uh, to answer your question, all of ours do, um, but we're to. finding that we, we are going to switch to manual. Um, that's actually a, within the last two weeks here, we've been discussing that, um, mm-hmm. like it, it reaches a certain quality 
but we just want to make sure that there's absolutely no chance of a hair being in there just because every once in a while you'll see um you'll be given an intro and you'll see a hair float by or, or worse yet and less mm-hmm. common is a, a bundle of hairs and somehow it just didn't make it in during the transition time and so we want to be able to spot check and physically get all of that stuff I don't call them hairs we call them worms because um, people react to a hair in a float tank the same way they'll react to a worm oh, in a float tank. Um, and we actually implemented a flashlight. So yes. um, after you use mm-hmm. your filter, you go through with a flashlight and you, cause there you'll be able to, to check if yep. there's anything. Cause there's nothing worse than walking someone through and you're looking down and there is a hair or an earplug or something right. floating by and you know, and none of us want that. So to any of our listeners who are who do not own a float center yet, um, you can be giving an intro and about maybe the front third, maybe a quarter of the water has light on it. And you can see the water in the back of the tank. It's not like it's pitch black, but you can't see hair. You can't see particles. It's not until it reaches that front. It's a really, you know, the water's been filtered, so it's really slowly turning around. And then all of a sudden you'll see, you know, a glob, mm-hmm. an earplug float by, something like that. And it'll just come right out of the shadows. Um, so, yeah, we actually use a flashlight with, with our float tanks as well. That's a great yeah. idea. Cool. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, uh, we actually... Uh, we. We actually got the headlamp, and it works yes. good for cleaning. So when we get <laughs> nice. on on Mondays, you get the waterproof headlamp That's on great. and uh, be able to scrub good with that. So. Sweet. I, I love my headlamp. I look like an idiot, but I love it so much. Yeah, who cares what you look like if you're getting those That's right. Jeez. That's right. Um, That's awesome. Anything so, else? Yeah. Well, I just want to go to, um, with all this being said, all of us here are using hydrogen peroxide, correct? Yes. Correct. Okay. How are you testing your hydrogen peroxide? Are you using an ORP oh. meter or are you using strips? We use strips. Sadly, strips. strips. <laughs> well, I use strips too. So um, what are you maintaining your hydrogen peroxide at? <laughs> so <laughs> by regulations in my state, uh, we are required to keep it between 30 and 100 ppms. Um, we are also required to put H2O2 in between every floater. So needless to say, and we have to log our, our measurements three times a day. So needless to say, our H2O2 is always very, very high. Mm. And that's the other thing. If our if our H2O2 is not holding, we know that there's an issue sure. as well. Mm-hmm. That can be a, yeah. a real easy way point. to know that there's something about ready to happen. Um, but uh, I, I have been talking to, uh, to someone about an O2 meter, um, but they're quite pricey. Yes. Quite yes, pricey. they are. It's very inhibitive right now. Of, of purchasing one for that. You could get a precise reading, but Lordy, they are expensive. Yeah. Yeah. Um, we were, we were, sorry, Dylan, uh, go ahead. I was just going to say that ours is between 60 and 90, um, but, but it's all by eyeball, you know, mm-hmm. so it's not precise yeah. because they're the test strips and yeah. the test strips also, I don't know if you've noticed, but they go bad. So oh. if really you, fast. If you, oh. yeah, if you buy 10 of them and you have, say, one from your old batch with your new batch, and you mix those two, they'll be two different colors. Um, When you say 10 bottles? Well, yeah, we buy 10 balls at a time. Okay, so fortunately, I guess the only upside to that is we don't buy them that quickly. Do you know if they last longer if you store them in a fridge or something like that? I heard hydrogen peroxide will last longer if it's in a dark container and in a fridge. Uh I don't know about the test strips. We have to order our test strips from the States and pay duty and shipping and all that on it, so it's not worth us just to buy it you know, every week. Got it. And um, we're testing ours three times a day. So we go through quite a bit of strips. Got it. And we test ours twice a day. 
and and we log it as well. So unlike Amy, um, Portland yeah. doesn't have regulations here. Um, so we're doing our best to make sure that we keep record of everything and just make sure that if anything ever happens, we're fully documented right. because mm-hmm. th- there aren't any requirements for that. Mm-hmm. So smart. So smart. Yeah, we were keeping ours between 30 and 60, and then now I've been liking to keep it up um, anywhere from 70 to 100. I like that zone a little more. Cool. Haven't had any issues with that. I, I think if there's active particles in there, I think you're going to be good. Um, mm-hmm. But, yeah, I would definitely think that's safe. And it's interesting. Doesn't the FTA – I was looking at FTA guidelines today. Um, like I said, we're required between 30 and 100, but I think the min-max or the ideal is between 30 and 40 mm. on the FTA – site but uh, that ideal I think just came from somebody saying that's ideal because it's comfortable right. for them right now right. we don't know what ideal is exactly that's right. and I really learned a lot being able to sit in on the float tank manufacturers workshop last year at the conference because all these things were brought up a lot of these mm. industry standards we have are just well somebody so made them that's the yeah. standard and there's no <laughs> particular reason why yeah. so i Like we can go down to tank temperature. If someone down in Hawaii is going to keep their tank a lot hotter than we are. And, you know, I don't know. Oh, interesting. (laughs) It's just what is the standard and why? And how how do we come to that conclusion is something we have to ask. Always question. Well, Mm -hmm. I do. Question everything. Question authority. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Um, To to wrap this up, I want to ask one more question that was posted on, on the blog, which was, Hydrogen peroxide food grade versus medical grade. Uh, what's mm. the difference and what what should we use? Um, does anybody have a definitive answer on that? Because I have ideas, but I don't have a definitive answer. So from my understanding, um, and I, okay, so I, I went I went to talk to my father. My father's a chemist and he uh, is a food scientist. He oh, uses H2O2 in his uh, production <laughs> facility, in his dairy production facility. Um, and he wasn't even sure uh, what that is. And it seems to be, from what I can find, and, and hopefully you, you found something better than me, but uh, is just a, a difference in the percentage oh, really? of H2O2. I, that's, okay. yeah, I, I, we couldn't find anything yeah. so definitive. I'm hoping you have something better. I don't. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, this is what I have. Uh, we had a speaker, I don't think it was at the 2015 float conference, but the 2014 mm-hmm. float conference, where he, ta- oh, you know, it was, uh, f- he was from Giles or Giles uh, Epsom salts uh, in Europe. Uh-huh. And uh-huh. he was talking about food grade versus medical grade. And basically, <laughs> it, was, it was kind of funny because he was saying medical grade is tested to make sure that they don't have any particulates in it that might, mm-hmm. you know, color your water, that kind of thing. Um, so nobody wants to try food grade Epsom salt because their color, the color of their water might go brown. And you know that the medical mm-hmm. grade is going to be um, not, not going to have that. But he said, and, and this is definitely, uh, we should watch the video because this could be my own memory coloring it, part of the pun. But um, he, he said that it, um, it's basically all on the same conveyor belt. Um, there is not a difference between them except that the medical grade is tested more f- frequently. Um, there's not a different process between the two. Does, does that make sense? Um, now, was that about the salt or yeah. the hydrogen peroxide? For, for that, we're talking salt. about oh, salt. Salt, salt, okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, oh, oh. I'm my, sorry. My yeah, I, I know. I switched gears there because he's, he's talking oh. about Epsom salt. Um, but my oh, guess okay. is that there's going to be something similar between those two with hydrogen peroxide. Um, but, uh, but I don't have an answer for that. Um, oh. We get the highest grade 
hydrogen peroxide we can get for our float tanks because of fear of coloring our tanks or something going wrong. That's that's <laughs> that's the wild west that we're in. I think hydrogen peroxide, the chemical structure of hydrogen peroxide is hydrogen peroxide. Right. So the percentage you get, whether it's 1%, 3%, 35%, or 100%, I don't think there's going to be much difference, maybe how it is inspected. But if you want to use bottles of 3%, go ahead, versus 35%, it's going to be how much you dilute it and how much you have to use. So if you can get your hands on a medical grade, which is, say, 50%, well, that's, you know... It's a little more concentrated, so that's less you have to use. Um, I've never experienced, I've never even seen medical grade. Um, we've always used 35% food grade. Um, mm -hmm. Found to keep in a dark container, a cool place, and it it does break down over time, but... Right. Um, mm -hmm. And, and yeah. yeah, I should clarify that we do use food grade hydrogen peroxide. It's 35%, and if the separation is between the percentage amount, you're absolutely right. It, yeah. it doesn't matter. Um, if, if they're claiming some yeah. kind of a testing difference, there you go. But um, I guess we can all agree that food grade is at least good enough quality for all of us. Yeah, is not that, a bad problem. Not true. <laughs> um, but it, it is weird that just the not knowing, I'm willing to spend more money because I just, I can't risk my water going bad. Um, mm -hmm. And and uh, so for the Epsom salts, we always get the, the medical grade. So mm. Yeah. For sure. Funny world. Yeah, when it comes to Epsom salts, uh, that is a little bit more important. Uh, the only time not we did not use pharmaceutical grade is when we had it in the house. And I knew um, what would happen with the agricultural grade. And eventually, uh, when I used uh, I was using at the time uh, vinegar and water to do some cleaning. And the acidity actually caused the oxidization to happen. And we ended up with iron flakes. Yeah. Uh, but what I, did that I wouldn't look like? do that in the center. Um, it, it looked, it was brown, and there were actually flakes uh, on the surface. Nice. Uh, I, I grew up in a coal town, so this actually happens in the stream uh, when acid rain uh, reacts with huh. the ore in the in the creek, and that's what it looked like to me. So huh. <laughs> it was the same thing. But but um, but that was uh, the difference in uh, in Epsom salt, so not not H two O two. So do you guys um, find your hydrogen peroxide locally, or do you have to order it in? We order. Um, we were ordering through, I think it was something like Garden of Eden, something like that. But uh, we now go through Amazon. And it might actually be the same mm -hmm. company. I could I could check that. But uh, we finally got Amazon Prime on uh, hydrogen, you know, 35% hydrogen peroxide. So uh, Pure Health Discounts was the other company we went through. And they are the ones who go through Amazon. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we have a local health food chain here called Nutters. And uh, they, they have it there. So... Um, if you're having a hard time finding it, you don't want to order offline, check your local health food stores. Yes. You may have to ask. It will be in the back. People do drink hydrogen peroxide. Right. Um, so if you can't find it, just ask. <laughs> Not endorsed <Do> they? here. <laughs> no. <laughs> no. Yeah, no. they do. It's um, I've heard uh, of people taking a drop in a yeah. cup of water and drinking it to oxidize the system. Yeah. But uh, Lance, do they sell it in 35% at the health? Store? Yes, Is they do. We do? buy them in oh, okay. one-gallon jugs of 35%. Nice. It's about $50 is what we pay. Oh, 
Yeah, they sell it at a health store here in Portland as well. Of, of all of them, I only know one store that does sell it. But there have been a few times when we first opened that that was our go-to because we didn't have ordering, you know, dialed yet. So we'd make emergency runs there. I think ours were probably 32 ounces. They weren't a gallon. Um, they I feel like they were actually a lot smaller, but way overpriced. I mean, not overpriced, uh, but way more expensive per ounce than than when you buy it by the gallon. Um, and just to echo what Lance said, uh, refrigerating um, your hydrogen peroxide and keeping it in a dark space means that you can buy more hydrogen peroxide, you know, save on shipping and all that. Always know that it's on, on you um, and it's going to last a lot longer. Yes. Um, and keep that in mind too when you dilute it. When you're diluting your hydrogen peroxide, that diluted solution will last longer if you keep it in a bottle that is dark and not in the float room where it's warm. Perfect. It breaks down much faster. Um, I want to switch gears here if you guys are okay with it. Um, yeah. Yeah. Okay. yeah. Um, I want to talk <laughs> about the Why We Float campaign. Um, and Andy Zarumba, he owns Float House in Canada. Um, he gave a presentation at the Float Conference the, this year, the 2015 Float Conference, and he talked about wanting. Well, actually, I you know to paraphrase a little bit, he said. Groupons and social media deals are incredibly prevalent, and we're undercutting ourselves and each other by by doing these deals all the time. And he really wants to get out from underneath that crutch. Um, and the way that he's campaigning this is we all unite for a, an actual campaign of the hashtag Why We Float uh, campaign. So whether it's Instagram or Twitter, um, you talk about why you why you float, um, you share why, and you add the hashtag Why We Float. Um, and then he's actually adding a chance to win a trip for two to Kauai, Hawaii, which I think we all want to win. Um, okay. And so if you go to www.whywefloat.com, you can actually um, enter from there. Um, and so you can. So this um, sounds like I would be talking to people who would want to enter, just people who, who float. But really, we're talking to the float center owners who should uh, um, share this on their Facebook site, on their you know email blasts, what have you, or at least I think that they should. I'm curious, what what do you guys think about this mm -hmm. campaign? Yeah, I I don't think uh, it can do any harm. I think it's fantastic, and it's nice to come together. Yeah, uh, for once. Uh, <laughs> and I actually I'm enjoying. By the way, I'm enjoying reading mm -hmm. the entries. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'm catching Hi. Sandra just scrolling down the the hashtag yeah. of, of her Instagram, uh, checking out all the why we floats and. I, I completely agree that for the first time, and I know the conference is great for unifying everybody, but it's weird to be at home and feel unified with the rest of the float community. I'm, I'm loving it. Yeah, and I think um, the Float House guys did a great job designing it because it's mm -hmm. not targeted to any specific float center, mm -hmm. just the industry in general. So you can actually download a full media package mm -hmm. with um, Twitter header, Facebook header, Instagram pictures, everything you need, all the instructions to get it going in your center. And I do encourage everybody to get on it because the more stories we have, the better it's going to be for the industry. You know, the more why we floats we have uh, counteracts these right. <laughs> New York Times articles that <laughs> seldomly come up. But yeah. um, everyone get on it. Why we float. Man, it makes Share. a difference. Uh, word of mouth. It's the it's the best marketing. Mm -hmm. I mean, you can read an article like that. But if your friend swears by it, if you have multiple friends swearing by it, you know, it, it's only going to help. Um yeah, thanks, Lance, for pointing out the package that they have. You can you can 
actually modify your Facebook page to help this campaign get out there. And I really encourage everybody to participate with this. I know this podcast is coming out, you know, you know, midway through through the campaign. Um, but uh, if you're not on it, there's still a chance to a to win um, for your clients mm-hmm. to win, but also just to to help advertise floating itself. So please, please do participate. Um, you know, one other thing we wanted to talk about, and you, uh, Amy, had mentioned the FTA. Um, Lance had mentioned mm-hmm. a couple uh, groups to me that I wasn't a part of on Facebook, and I just wanted to go over those and talk about them and, and why we're a part of them, if we should join, uh, who they're intended for, um, just so this community can keep uniting and, and meeting each other. Um, and uh, Float Love is the one that I, I have been part of for some time. Um, it seems like it's more of a general post about floating. Would you agree? Yeah, I think Float Love actually started a couple of years ago at the conference when we were all sitting around hanging out after the night, and it started there, and that sort of led to an area of just people who like floating. Floaters, float center owners, a little bit everyone, and then floats facilitators forums. That's sort of targeted a little more towards owning a center. If you have questions about water, sanitation, health regulations, it's a little more privatized there. So the whole customer base isn't going to be seeing what we're talking about behind the scenes. And then something I haven't been too tuned in with lately, but there is Mm wefloat.net. I do. Yeah. Um, yeah, and I haven't been on there a whole lot lately, and I, I feel like I should be as a resource and to get my questions answered too, because when I do pop on there, I, I always feel like I learn something. So, um, yes, 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 we yes. We also and- have a newly created CFC, Canadian Float Collective Group. Um, it's it's just getting going, but if you want, tune into that. It's all float information across the nation. So, um yeah, there's a few groups for you to stay tuned with everyone. Would it make sense for our American listeners to be part yeah, of that? Yeah, okay. certainly, Sweet. certainly. Cool. I shouldn't let a magical line define right. us, but unfortunately <laughs> regulation and um, taxes and yeah. all that jumps around. So, But they can visit, they can post all that. Oh, yeah, of course. <laughs> We're all friends. Right. We're all friends. The walls and the barriers. All right. um, Still things to learn. Let's see here. Um I think we might have jumped around a little little quickly there. So the float, what is it? Uh, float love, a little bit more general, maybe positive postings, sharing wins, that kind of thing for, for anybody who maybe owns a float center, maybe just enjoys floating. Float facilitators can't get a lot more specific than that. That's, I mean, kind of like how this podcast is geared towards the float facilitator, the float owner. This is geared towards kind of the behind the scenes conversations that are going on. Maybe things that you wouldn't want to share with the public necessarily, or just more business centric information is, is that a decent summary yes cool um and then we got the cfc we float.net there's also the fta the uh float tank float tank of america float tank association excuse float. me right. um and uh i'm i know that they're doing research i believe it's water research is that correct um i believe they have funded some money for magnesium absorption research okay okay um, and I know that the float shop is part of that. Um, I'm, I'm not hundred percent sure what the FTA is doing. Um, I know at the float conference, they, they talked about it, it. I got the impression they were gearing up, like they wanted to do, um, like, uh, wheels were turning that maybe hadn't met the road yet. I want to see if we can get Glenn or Lee or both, or both of them, um, 
um, and I think they run the FTA. I want to get them um, on this podcast and we can talk about um, if it's a good choice to join the FTA, why we should and, and what they're up to in 2016. Unless you guys have any ideas on what they're up to. <laughs> any insight? No. Nope. I'm going to wait for Glenn and Lee okay, on that perfect. one. Perfect. <laughs> Cool. I think we covered some really cool stuff tonight. Um, I definitely learned a lot, which is really nice. So I, yeah. I think I know it's a good episode when, when, when we all learn something. Um, well, that's what we're doing here. We're all learning. Yeah. Fortunately, that's, it's, it's great that we're together and we can all pass ideas and share it with everyone because it's, it's amazing. You think you, you got it down, but right. you're something new, which makes it quicker and easier and possibly cheaper. Right. I love it. Yeah, me too. Very grateful. Very grateful. Oh, man. Good stuff I tonight, guys. I also wanted to share some stuff that was going on with uh, me and my, my float center this week. I, I had talked about uh, buying a float tank, but I think I'll just save it for next week. I think we've <laughs> we're so full on this episode. <laughs> so um, thank you guys so much, and, and we'll see you next week. Thank oh, you. You know what? One more thing. Um, please do tweet us. It's Artful Floating. Lance, where can they find you? Uh, just at the float shack right now. Okay. Amy? At Float Nashville. Perfect. Um, we've got the blog, www.theartoffloating.com. And actually, just a few weeks ago, we did post uh, an article on how to make sure that you don't have a smell in your float tank and, and uh, how, to, how to maintain it and pr- uh, prevent that from occurring. So you can check that out as well. And uh, any items that we talked about, I know we jumped around a little bit, but those will all be in the show notes here too. So it's um, a resource for you. Thanks, guys. Again, we'll see you next week. listening to the Art of Floating podcast.